Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Worthing. This message is by Jonathan Dyke. Uh, this is an interesting kind of theme that uh, God has brought us into in July. Sure, didn't it? Because uh, well, if you know God, then it may be that you think you don't have to pray or you can't pray. And the Bible kind of calls both of those things pride. Uh, if, if we think we can do anything without God helping us, then the Bible calls that pride. And certainly I've realized, uh, kind of following Jesus for many, many years, is, is there are a lot of things that I thought I could do, and I'm pretty rubbish at them. And there are some things which I know God is great at doing. And yesterday was a good example of, uh, of what God is great at doing. And God is great at loving 5,000 people in in an individual kind of way. Now, we could have turned up and just said, well, we're here to offer something uh, and not really prayed about it or really trusted in God about it or been obedient to what God was saying about it. And we probably would have been like every other stall, maybe, just doing something. But that's not what God said about your life and my life. What he said was, and we reminded last week, is there's a secret place for you. And I don't know what kind of place you live in. I don't know what your place looks like or sounds like or feels like. What I do know is, is that we need to make a place in that place where only you and God go into it. And that's that's a decision because we all have places. Some of us have families. Some of us have jobs. Some of us used to have jobs. Some of us have stuff going on in our lives. And all of those things come into our place. But even in that, we need a secret place where only God has the key. And that's really what I took out of last week. So I thought the messages from last week were extremely helpful, positive, practical. And I'm trusting that the the two today, well, three today, are because Steve's at the back. He's multitasking today, Steve. Uh, He's only got two arms, but he's actually doing three jobs. So he's having God's help today. But this is... Prayer, as 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 part of the leadership in the church, we recognise that it's time to catch the rain. And last Wednesday, in this room, just just over there, there are a couple of dozen of us who know that we have to catch the rain in order to make a difference to people's lives. Now, please, when I talk about prayer to Christians, it can always sound like I'm moaning. All right, so please don't take this as a moan. All right. However, if we're serious about the things of God, and I believe that we are, then we have to do something different to get something different out of it. It's just a reality. And prayer and worship are very emotive. What I mean by that is that we can come out of a culture where we've always maybe prayed in the same kind of way. We might have used the same kind of style, if I can put it that way. And that's fine if it works. If it moves from just a secret place experience into we're now changing circumstance experience and then into we're now changing geographic experience and then we're now changing national experience, then keep doing it because it's working. Because as uh, Sophie was saying, as a Christian, if you know Jesus, then he wants to use you to bring a God change into this world. Does that make sense? That, that's what he says. He says, ask of me. So 
there's, there's a challenge around prayer, and Sophie mentioned about corporate prayer. It's my personal experience and also my scriptural understanding that where two agree. So in the secret place, if you know Christ, and if you don't, you can know him this morning, but Jesus has a secret place for you called his secret place where only two of you go. But in that moment where two agree, all kinds of things are possible. That's what Jesus says, where two agree. And sometimes we can start from the point of, me and my mate, we pray together. But actually, Jesus meant something even more profound than that. What he meant was, if you're praying in the same way that I would, if you're praying out of the same spirit that I prayed, if you're using the same language that I used, if you know the will of God, how many of you sometimes, when stuff is going on, you, you kind of think, well, I don't know what to pray. Or, or maybe that's just me. Or, well, I don't know what's going to happen when I pray. Or maybe I'll just deal with it. Uh, one, one of the, uh, the things that God spoke to us this morning when we were praying for you and praying for the service, uh, uh, we, were, we were having a prayer meeting here, and then God just showed somebody a picture of chains. And, and chains can mean different things. A small, delicate chain can be very decorative. It can be very fashionable. It can display. It can enhance. But it's still a chain. The other end of it is you can get a really big, uh, you know, forged steel chain that's holding up maybe the new um, aircraft carrier, Queen Elizabeth. It's a massive chain. And that one, you think, yeah, that's heavy, that's weighty, but it's secure. Well, there are chains that can sometimes feel really comfortable. I'll just live with that. It's okay. And there are other chains like sicknesses, pains, maybe emotional stuff that's going on that we just recognize that's just bad. Well, Jesus came to break every chain. Not just the delicate ones that we, want, we think we have to live with, but he came to break every chain. Uh, and one of the things from last week, which I really took out of it, and what I want to kind of communicate with you, is that where, where you and I agree with the spirit of Jesus, in that secret place, all things are possible. But here's the funny thing. When we cultivate that kind of lifestyle, you, a secret place is not a geographical area. It's, it's like Jesus said about the kingdom of God all through the Bible, in the New Testament particularly. He said the kingdom of God isn't a place. The kingdom of God is where I rule and where I reign. And, and if we take this into the context of prayer, what we don't want to communicate or we don't want to give the impression of it's because you've all heard all the messages, now your prayer life is better. Your life with Jesus is a prayer. So it's not about developing a, a life that's got prayer in it. It's developing a life of prayer. Because the Bible is really, really clear that Jesus prayed all the time. Why? Because he was dependent on the Father all the time. So some of talking about prayer is going to challenge us. Because... You know, maybe we have a certain style or a certain expression of prayer. And the Bible says there are all kinds of expressions of prayer. All right? So part of the challenge that I think that, that, that I'm facing and we're facing is we need to learn to pray out of the, the leading of God. So uh, a couple of things that Sophie mentioned just to clarify what they are. Impact is what it says. We believe that God has a particular strategy for the 118,000 people that live in this area. He wants to save them. He wants to reveal who he is to them. He wants to change their lives. 
He wants to take what was broken and make it whole. And only God can do that. And God has a plan to do that. But what he gives us the, the privilege and the responsibility is engage with the plan. Don't write your own plan. Don't come out with something that isn't out of the secret place. Because if it is, when you live it in public, it falls. Because what I learned really, really early on when I became my life to Jesus is a massive difference between a God idea and a good idea. Do you know what the difference is? Oh. I've lost count of the number of times I thought I had a God idea, but it was a good idea, and I ended up doing it, and I looked back and thought, oh, oh, that hasn't worked how I thought it would, or oh my goodness, that hasn't, is that making some sense to anybody? But God wants you to always come out with God ideas. God ideas. So I'm going to be covering uh, three things. One, one is kind of what I call the vehicle. There is a currency uh, that God talks about in the Bible, that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, the place where God rules, there is a currency that God uses, and it's called faith. And when we use this currency, it unlocks all of the resources of the kingdom of God. Uh, loads of Bible reading doesn't do that, actually. Loads of prayer meetings don't do that. But faith in the word does do that, and faith in prayer does do that. I say, okay, because what, again, what I've, what I've experienced is I, I can go to lots of prayer meetings, and there's loads going on around this place, and I turn up, and people are not praying, they're talking. They're chatting. And that's fine, but I believe God wants to challenge us, not just into chatting, but changing. That makes some sense. God has put you and me here to see his change in our society. And how many of you know that we need to see that more than any other time? You know, there is all kinds of stuff going on in the local level, regional level, national level, international level. And God is challenging you and I and the church to arise up and to plug in to the will of God and then download that into society. But faith is the currency. So we can look at a few scriptures that have come up on the screen. Again, Steve is multitasking. But there's a guy called James. I'm just going to use a little bit of what he wrote. James was one of the first church leaders. Uh, he was a kind of a simple guy, but he had an, a tremendously powerful encounter with the reality of who Jesus was. And in uh, the, uh, the book that he wrote, uh, which is named after him, in James chapter 5, 13 to 16, he, he kind of gives us four or five verses which cover pretty much most people's lives. It starts with this one. Is anyone among you in trouble? How many of you can remember when you were in trouble? Maybe some of you are in trouble now. I have no idea. Maybe some of you, whatever. But, but you get the point. If anyone is in trouble, stuff, strife, angst, worry, concern, it's just not working out. His answer is what? Let them, let them. So let them is not a command, let them is a space. Let them. In other words, what God is saying through this person is, if anybody's in trouble, I'll give you permission to ask me for something. Let them pray. It isn't come to the prayer meeting or come to impact. They're powerful, they're brilliant, but we don't come to impact because we've got a trouble. 
We come to impact because we pick up Worthing has a trouble. Is that making some sense? But if we don't cultivate this lifestyle out of the secret place reality in the public, it just doesn't work. So if anyone is in trouble, there's a solution. Spend some time with God. Ask God. Talk to God. If you kind of study that word out, it's not just, oh God, I'm in trouble, oh God, I'm in trouble. It's about, God, I'm in trouble, but you are my help in time of trouble. Does that make sense? Because again, what, we, what prayer isn't, is that we're just praying the problems. And again, I, I don't know about you, I've been to many, many prayer meetings where at the end of it, I thought, God, you, you need to do something. Because if what I've just heard is what the reality is, man, we are doomed and hopeless, and I don't believe you were a God that leaves us doomed and hopeless. So if we don't cultivate the last week message, which is we're in a secret place, a lot of what can come out of our mouth is we're praying the problems and not the answers. And I believe God is challenging me and challenging maybe you that, man, we, we, we need a secret place experience, but then we carry it out into the world so that our language changes. Because the people of prayer are the people of hope. They are the people of hope. Is that making some sense to you? So James says, if there's anyone in trouble, he should pray. If anyone's happy... That's a good one as well. If you're not in trouble, hopefully you're happy. Maybe some of you are not sure. I don't know. Ask a friend. But either we're dealing with stuff, and stuff is dealing with us, or we're happy. But stuff is still going on with your neighbour, with your friend. Is that making some sense? So you might be having a really bad day, but somebody else is having a really good day. So why don't you ring them up and say, mate, will you pray for me? And it might be that we are the ones saying, yeah, it was brilliant, it was awesome, it was cool. Go on, let's just keep releasing that. Let's just keep releasing God's uh, celebration and joy over you. So whether we're in trouble, whether we're happy, there's a response. In this response, let him sing songs of praise. Now, again, it's very similar to prayer. Prayer, praise and songs are pretty much all from the same place, which is faith. So when we had the Catch the Rain, which was the other thing that Sophie mentioned on Wednesday, we weren't here just to pray, and okay, God do this, God do that, God do this, God do that. What we were doing is say, God, there's a space here, come and fill it. We're not going to fill it with loads of stuff. We want you to fill us with yourself. Now, theologically, you might be thinking, he's already filled me once. Theologically, it says, go on being filled. So just get our Greek right. Go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. So in other words, Jesus' secret place experience for you is I want to keep filling you all the time. Do you understand that? The anyone implied here is it doesn't matter what, it doesn't matter how you've been. The second before you come, when you come with faith, I'll fill you. It doesn't matter what kind of experience of God you've had or church or whatever. If you come with an expectation that I can talk to God, God will answer you. It says, if anyone is happy, sorry, if anyone is in trouble. I love the fact that prayer levels the playing field. It's my responsibility to pray. It is not my responsibility for you to. Oh, come on. Come on, it's true, isn't it, Barbara? It's my responsibility to pray, and it's my responsibility to give God the best I can. But it is not my responsibility for you to. Now, that's your responsibility. Oh, 
Because God doesn't give birth to grandchildren, but to children. And he wants you. He wants to engage with your secret place. He wants to engage with your faith. He wants to engage with your spirit so that you know just how powerful you are because the world will tell you a lie. Is any one of you sick? Now, this is a bit of a contentious one because I'm dealing with loads of this and some of these cards are about people being sick. I'll put it out there straight away, right, so you will get it. I will visit anybody that rings me up and says, if you come and visit, God's going to do something. But I'm not here to visit the sick. I'm here to heal them. And so are you. But my responsibility here is that if anybody, anybody is sick, ring someone. But they're not ringing saying, oh, can you come and visit me? They're ringing saying, God's spoken to me. If you come, you can heal me. Just to clarify, so that we're all clear with that. All right. Uh, Because there's a lot of sickness that is affecting the body of Christ right now. Why? Because that's pretty much all the enemy can do to stop us having the victory. But we want to stand up and resist it. Because through the secret place and through taking the secret place into life, we live in health. All right, I'm just reading this. I didn't write this. I'm just reading it. Uh, he should call the elders, anoint him with oil, and in the name of the Lord, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. And the Lord will raise him up. In other words, when we're developing this secret place, when we're developing this faith, you become a healing ministry. You, you do. Is that if anybody says to you, actually, I know you're a Christian, and you know, if you pray for me, maybe God will do something, or you ask them, I'm a Christian, and I know God can heal. If I pray for you, what do you think will happen? We need to be unlocking our faith. A little bit like Sophie was having to grapple with. You know, because sometimes God's got to drop us in it. Uh, and I'm known for that. I have a ministry of dropping people in it. It is good, because I'm convinced that the drop-in ministry is the Jesus kind of ministry. Because if we don't get dropped in it, we will never really know who God is and who we are not. Is that making some sense? So loads and loads of times I've said to people, you know, bring the message next week. Well, I can't do that. Don't tell me what you can't do. I already know what you can't do. But if you're trusting God, he'll show you what he can. Because there's a whole I can't do mentality, which this... This whole theme of prayer, we've got to hit this. The Bible doesn't say, I can't do anything. It says, I can do all things. Say all things. Now, all things, my implication is that there isn't anything you can't do. But we have to develop this with faith. With faith. As we've been encouraged last week, the Bible is our confidence. And it goes on and says this, the Lord will raise them up. So it's not you raising up, it's not me raising people up. But the Lord raises them up. The Lord raises them up. If they've sinned, and this covers another area of our lives, sometimes we just muck up, we just mess up. And we carry it. And we carry it into the secret place and then wonder why God hasn't spoken. Or God just has gone quiet. Well, sometimes we've just got to say, God, I'm sorry, I've mucked up, please forgive me. And sometimes we've got to say to somebody else, I've mucked up, please forgive me. And I've had to do that quite a bit this week. Therefore... Confess your sins to each other and pray so that you may be healed. How powerful is that? So we start in the secret place, following on from last week. We take the secret place out into somebody else's life. We dialogue with them. We have a conversation with them and then within a moment, boom, they can get healed. 
they can have a, a real relationship with the reality of Christ. You see, for me, Jesus isn't stood in the prayer room. Jesus isn't in Catch the Rain. Jesus isn't in Impact. He moves in those contexts, but no, Jesus, he says, is with me, and if you know him, he's with you. Yeah? Which means in reality, all the things that church can ever do is put a frame around what God has already done. And I don't care what you call the meeting. It can be town-wide prayer or revival prayer. It doesn't matter. We carry in the spirituality into the room. The room doesn't make it. Come on! And this is, uh, is this all right? Because I'm just, I'm getting a bit preachy. I can feel it. Uh, because I know when we're talking about stuff like this, you're hitting against some physical and natural things. And I'm just going to keep going because I can't help it. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. In, in, a, in, a, in an older version, or maybe a better translation, it says a fervency. And that word fervency means it's hot, dominant, indomitable passionate, doesn't quit. And I believe there is a spirit of prayer in you. If you know Christ and you've received the Holy Spirit, then there is a passionate release that God has put into your spirit. Not into your head, not into your heart, but into your spirit. And we only unlock that by faith. That we, okay, God, you've given me that kind of spirit. Because actually I don't look like that. I don't sound like that. When I look at the mirror, I don't see that. But when God looks at you, he says, you're feisty. Just turn to the person next to you and say, you're feisty. You're feisty. I'm going to speed up a little bit because I know Steve's got some brilliant stuff as well. In 2 Corinthians 4.13, it says this. And this is another one of the early church leaders who had this tremendous understanding. He said, it is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. Since we have. Who has? Who's we? Do you know what we is? It's a bunch of eyes. Sorry if that's not deep enough for you clever people. But we have. We have. Not we could have. We will at one point. We have. Present, current tense. We have. You have. If you've given your life to Christ and you've received the Holy Spirit of Christ, you have the same Spirit that Christ had. Not a different one, uh, not a contemporary one, not a 21st century one, uh, not, not an online one, not a media one, uh, not an Instagram one, uh, not, a, not a one one. Now you have the same spirit to believe in God that Christ had to believe in God. Come on. So this is where faith comes from. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes I can look out and I can think, yeah, I, be I can believe you, God, but I, can't be I just don't believe that. And God says, well, pray then. Because there is a world saying that says, when I see it, I'll believe it. But what I'm talking about is that you see it before you believe it. Is that making some sense? Well, yeah, when I say it, I'll believe it. No, 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 you believe it before. Faith is a currency. I mentioned that already. It says two things that I'm going to talk about in six minutes. First one. How many of you want to release greater faith in your life? Okay, that's another question. How many of you couldn't be bothered and you want less faith in it? No, I won't answer that. How many of you want to release greater faith through your life? I'm not saying greater faith in your life. 
Because the Bible says, you have the same faith as Christ. And in my understanding, there is no greater faith than the faith that Christ operated in. He believed every word. He believed every promise. He believed beyond space and time that what God said will happen. How many of you want to live like, with faith like that? Right, I'm going to give you two keys to how you can live with a faith like that. And Steve's going to give you a third one. The first one is how often we use the language of heaven. The Bible calls it tongues. Because you know and I know that we just sometimes just don't even know what to pray, what to say. We don't know what's going on. We don't know. Sometimes we want to reason. There's a reason for this. There's a reason for that. Faith is not reasonable. Faith is unreasonable. So sometimes we pray out of reason. It's thought uh, initiated, not spirit initiated. So what I've learned and what I just encourage you, what the word encourages me is this. Romans 8, 26 to 27 says this. In the same way, in the same way as what? We'll read a little bit earlier about how God loves us and needs us by spirit. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Helps us in our weakness. I can't be bothered, or I just don't know, or you know, whatever. I tried it last time, it didn't work. We do not know what we ought to pray, which is, we just don't know where our faith is. All right, that's the English version of the same thing. But the Spirit himself intercedes, or he stands in the gap. In other words, the Spirit is pulling down what he's seen God do and enforcing it on what he's, where he needs to see God do it. That's what intercession really means. Intercession isn't you just go around crying all the time, although you can. But intercession really is that we become a channel. We become an open vessel for the will of God to download through one end and come out through the other one. That's much better meaning of what intercession means. We stand in the gap between light and darkness. And that can be for people, can be for the workplace, whatever, whatever, whatever. But we won't know how to pray. We've got to use the, the currency of faith. Then we've got to use the language of heaven, which is tongues. Other languages. Why? Because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Now, I know people get freaked out with tongues. Some people here say, well, tongues, you know, that... that Godly language, it was only for the first century, really. It also says knowledge would dry out when tongues did, so we're all a bit stupid then. Oh, uh, well, tongues isn't for everybody. Yes, it is. Tongues isn't for me. Well, that's your decision. That's not God's decision. Well, I tried it once and I didn't like it. You, you tried speaking when you were a baby, but you managed to manage that all right. And we can come out with all kinds of natural reason for a spiritual reality, which is God wants everyone, say everyone. He wants everyone to speak in another tongue. Why? Because he wants everyone, when they're in trouble, to be able to pray. He wants everyone, when they're happy, to be able to sing a song. He wants everyone, when they feel uncomfortable, to be able to give it to God. He wants everyone to make a difference. That's why he gives everyone the gift. There's a party going on and he doesn't want you to miss out. So because everybody, the gift, the ability of tongues, you might say, well, I tried it once. Well, today, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna jumpstart you. We're going to give you some CPR in your spirit. And we're going to revive you. Because, man, your spirit has a language. Your spirit has a passion. Our passion is only within our own context. The passion of the Holy Spirit is eternal. Because God's not a quitter. Spirit-led answers... Get straight to the heart, of, the, the heart of God. The 
The Bible says that when we pray in tongues, we speak directly to God. That's amazing. When you can be just walking through life and I do this, I'm just praying in tongues. Why? Because I know I can, and I don't make a difference. That's called faith. And I just do that, and then I expect what? I expect God to hear me, and I expect to be different. So I'm not just going around like some crazed loon, but I'm praying because I know, I know, I know God hears me, and I know it makes a difference. So I can walk into a shop, and it might feel a bit, I start just praying, not loud, just praying. Why? Because I know it's going to make a difference. Because I'm an atmosphere changer. I am not, I am not, sorry, a thermometer. I'm a thermostat. I don't use the gift of tongues to read the temperature. I use the next gift, which is interpretation, to read the temperature or discernment. And I believe we need to operate much more in that. So the first thing, the challenge is, I'm going to be finishing in a minute, Steve. Steve is looking at the clock. Is that when we pray in tongues, it rewires our mental process. Just give Dad a poke. He's, he's been up all night. Just leave me, Dale. We love you. Um, when we're praying in tongues, things begin to happen within our... Hello, mate. When we pray in tongues, things begin to happen in our spirit, in our life. Don't worry, I've fallen asleep when I've heard me as well, so it's fine. It's, it's when we pray in tongues, things happen on the inside. Sorry, I have. That's why I never listen to me. I message you. It's like, okay. When we pray in tongues, the Bible says that we get strengthened. Our mouth becomes get cleansed. Our tongue becomes loosened. I haven't got time to go into all of it. Uh, we normally do. I normally would do 15 to 20 hours just on tongues. All right, we've, we've got less than that. But then we have to connect this with another gift of the Holy Spirit. If you've received the Holy Spirit, you also have this gift, which is interpretation. All I'm going to say briefly is this. Interpretation is not translation. It's not because sometimes we might just get released in maybe a couple of words. If it's like, oh, I don't know what I'm saying, I don't know what I'm saying. Go beyond that, all right? Because that is trying to sow doubt into what God has done. Or it might be you just say a couple of words, but your mind's thinking about, God, you're brilliant, and I can see you doing this, I can see you doing that. So it's an interpretation. It's not a translation. It's not like if I got Kai to come and give five words in German, it would translate into five words in English. It's not. An interpretation, it can sound like a repeated word. It can sound like an, an, uh, an emphatic word. It can sound like really loud at one moment. But, but it's an interpretation. Basic interpretation helps you and I know what God is thinking. That's what it does. In, tongues, I know the will of God. I'm praying in tongues. I don't know what I'm saying. 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 But I know God will tell me. Interpretation is God telling you. So Paul says about... You know, we need to, in the, in the secret place, we need to cultivate praying in tongues. I don't know how long, or even if at all, you're praying in tongues. Me, I'm praying in tongues at least one to two hours every day. And in between that, at other times. Why? Well, why not? I want to I live in the will of God. I don't want to second guess who Jesus is. And sometimes it, I know that I am, and sometimes it, I'm not. But also, I want to see people's lives change as a result of my journey. Does that make some sense? I don't just want to come at the end of the day and say, Woohoo, Jesus, I've had a great day. I want to come at the end of the day and say, Hey, Jesus, I made a difference to some people. Is that, is that making some sense? So this is why prayer is so important, because yes, it starts in the secret place, but it never ends there. And it never ends there because of the next 
dynamic that Steve is going to talk about. Let's welcome Steve. Thank you, Pastor Jonathan. So, who believes words are powerful? Hmm? Because Proverbs 18, verse 21 says this, The tongue has the power of life and death. So what I want you to do first is just turn to the person next to you and to say something that sounds like the power of life to them. Behind you or to the side of you. Something nice but true. Great. Who heard something that really hit them? Who feels a little bit better now than they did a second ago? Cool. So if words are powerful, how powerful is God's word? We're going to have a look at John 11. You may have heard this story before. You may have not. It doesn't matter. It's going to be great. You want to get a lot out of it. It's the story of Lazarus. Okay? So if you've got a Bible or a device, you can turn to John 11. Some of the verses will come up behind me, but not all of them. So Lazarus. Who is Lazarus? Lazarus was the brother of Mary, who is the Mary, you know, who poured out the perfume perfume on Jesus' feet when he came around, the Mary and Martha Mary. And Lazarus was, was really sick. You know, he was, he was seriously ill. He's going to die, as, as, as we'll find out. As I've just said, that they knew Jesus. Mary knew Jesus. They, they knew who he was. He was the Son of God. So they, they sent word for him. Jesus was out somewhere else in Israel. And I want you to really listen to Jesus' response when the first time he heard that Lazarus was on death's door. He said in verse 4, this sickness will not end in death. Now how many of us, I know I've done this, how many of us have either felt sick or heard someone else is sick or seen someone else is sick and gone, oh, I feel a bit under the weather or oh, I'm, a bit, I'm a bit sick today or I'm, I'm coming down with something. Because Jesus didn't do that. He heard about the sickness and said, and gave a word of faith, and no, this is sickness will not end in death. Because sickness doesn't end in death. It's started by death and ends in life. So, so Jesus hears this about, about Lazarus. He's like, no, this, this, uh, no, this sickness will not end in death. And because um, Mary and Martha and Lazarus were so close to Jesus, Jesus knew them. He was moved. He was really touched by what's happening, distressed perhaps, and his heart. So he stays where he was. He was uh, journeying and he stays where he was for two days. He stays there. Maybe he prayed. Probably did. Jesus prayed a lot. Maybe he did something else. I don't know. The Bible didn't say. But then he decides to go back. Back into the chair. To back, back to see Lazarus. But this confused Jesus' closest followers, his disciples. And they, they, they just didn't understand, why are we going back to Judea? They don't like us there. Why are we going there? So Jesus says this in verse 11. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. Now, at this point, Lazarus is now dead, and Jesus knows this. But what does Jesus say? Oh, Lazarus is dead, and I'm going to resurrect him. No, he says, Lazarus has fallen asleep. And I'm going to wake him up. So we, Jesus is speaking words of life here. That Lazarus is dead. But Jesus is saying he's alive because he's asleep. Okay? 
And even still, the closest followers of Jesus, the people who know him the most, have been on the journey. Some say, if he's asleep, well, he'll recover. Why do we need to go back to him? He's just in bed. He's got a bit of a cold. He'll get better. And the other, some of the others are a bit like emotionally driven and gone, no, let's go and die with him too. He's dead now. Let's, let's just give up. Let's, what's the point in everything? So these, pe- these people, the disciples, who are so close to Jesus, who, who know him, they didn't understand what was going on. I know for myself, and maybe some of us here, have maybe they've heard God, a word from God, maybe they're in a circumstance, but they just don't understand. I know I've had places that I've had a word from God in a circumstance, but then I've looked at the circumstance and gone, God, what's happening? And I think a lot of us perhaps have been in that situation as well. So, the disciples are just in a, in a, in a different place, then they, they eventually carry on the journey and get to where Lazarus' tomb is. Now, at this stage, Lazarus has been dead for four days in the tomb. So, like, he's, he's, he's dead in the natural, he's just, he's gone. There's no life support or what, anything. And all the, the crowds, the friends of Mary and Martha and Lazarus and, and around have, have come and they're comforting them, and they're mourning them. There's loads of voices around the circumstance, what's happening. And everyone's eyes are on what's happening in the circumstance. Everyone's looking to, to Mary and Martha to comfort them, which is great. And everyone's there to, to mourn the death of, of, of a friend. That's great. But their eyes on the, on the circumstance. Now Martha, Martha has faith. She's learned some lessons, and now she understands that Jesus gets what he asks for. In verse 22, she says, But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus' response to her was this, Your brother will rise again. Now, I think I just want to draw your attention to how many times already has Jesus met the circumstance with a word of faith. At the moment, it's free. But every single time that he's had to speak about the circumstances, Lazarus isn't dead and he's going to be alive. So after having this conversation, Martha goes and gets Mary and then Jesus is, is again moved because of the stress in their hearts and he actually begins to cry. And then Jesus goes towards the tomb and he says to Martha, roll the stone away. Now despite... Martha, having faith, and knowing Jesus always gets what he asks for, she says to him, in verse uh, 39, But Lord, by this time there is a bad odour, for he has been dead four days. Now how many of us have gone to God, Lord, I believe you, you're saying this and saying that, this and the other. And he starts doing something else or saying something else. And you go, go, but God, you know, the circumstance. I know I have. Martha has faith, but she is still looking at the circumstance. Then Jesus, in verse 40, says to her, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? You will see the goodness of God? Then Jesus turns his hands to heaven and thanks God 
for what's about to happen. And in verse 43, this happens. Once he had thanked God, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! And I think John, in this translation, he doesn't quite get it either. He said, the dead man came out. And I don't know about too much about dead men, but I'm pretty sure they can't walk. And I'm pretty sure Lazarus at this stage wasn't a zombie. But anyway, Jesus says, Lazarus, come out. He didn't go into the tomb and say, I'll lay hands on you and pray for him to be healed or risen. He says, Lazarus, come out. Why? Because Jesus is living in that faith, in that word that knows Lazarus isn't a dead, isn't dead. He's only asleep. And if you shout with someone when they're asleep, they'll probably wake up. So Lazarus comes out, his hands and feet are still wrapped in the grave clothes, and Jesus says to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Jesus did not look at the circumstance with his eyes or his ears. But he looked at the circumstances with eyes of faith, ears of faith, and he kept on speaking that word despite what was going on, despite what developed, despite what people said, despite how people were feeling. And you know what's incredible? In Jeremiah 33, verse 2 and 3, he says this. This is what the Lord says. He who made the earth, the Lord who formed it and established it, the Lord is his name. Call to me, and I will answer you, and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. This same God wants to speak to you words of life today, that is going to see dead situations turn to life. Every moment of every day, forever, whether you know Jesus, whether you have no idea if it exists, he wants to speak to you. These same words of power. And he's ready to do it right here and right now. I'm going to do some of that. I'm just going to give a little bit of a testimony right now about my barber. I'm not going to say his name because of the podcast. I'm just going to call him Bob, so... Bob the barber. Um, I, I've, I've, he's been cutting my hair for well, actually quite a few years now. I've always had him on my heart to pray for. I just want him to know Jesus like I know Jesus. And he doesn't know Jesus like I know Jesus yet. But he will. And just the other day I was, I was thinking, where's, where's the word that I'm standing on? I, mean, I pray for him. I want him to, be, to, be, to know Jesus like I know him. But what, what am I speaking over this, this circumstance? And then God just spoke to me just in that moment. From John 3.16, it's about, for, so, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believed in him, whoever believed in him, shall not perish but have eternal life. And I knew then that Jesus on the cross, when he died for everyone, the sins of the world, he was thinking about Bob. That's how I know he's going to know the love of Jesus. So if you'd like to stand for, uh, for just a few minutes, we're going to do some of this now. And whether you know Jesus, believe he exists, have been knowing him for a long time, I just want to th- ask you to close your eyes right now and just think of a circumstance that you're going through. It could be your family, friends, work, 
finances, provision, anything. National, local, global. You just think about that circumstance. And now, just ask God to give you a word about that situation. Don't do it in your head. Use your words. God wants to hear your voice. He wants you to use your tongue. Ask him. Maybe you don't think you hear God or you can't you think you can't hear God and you can think about the circumstance I mentioned earlier if you want to so once you've got that word God has spoken about that circumstance we're all together going to start proclaiming it you can shout, you can jump you can speak, but please speak. Use your tongue. So one, two, three. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that Bob is going to know your love, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, you died for him on the cross because you loved him so much, Father God. Thank you, Father. He's going to know love. He's going to know love that you've shown me, Father God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And now just t- turn your your confession to thanksgiving right now thank you lord thank you jesus you've given me this word thank you jesus that you're faithful to your word and i thank you lord this situation cannot stay the same because of you have spoken you have spoken thank you lord thank you jesus thank you jesus thank you jesus thank you jesus thank you lord Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.